Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes I throw in a picture 
And that's right. a little extra editing. But, you you know, I just throw it in the iMovie and then I throw a title bar at the beginning and a little music at the beginning and it's done. And so I can get the whole thing filmed, edited and uploaded in an hour. Wow. And I, otherwise I couldn't do this. <laughs> I just, right. You know, like right, I've got a baby and it's just, yes. so it's an adorable um, baby, was, by the way. Oh my gosh, I love her. But she's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a, been a lot of extra work. And obviously there's prep work that I do before I do this 30-minute sort of shooting and editing thing. But mm-hmm. um, And that takes probably the longest. It's a couple of hours to come up with an idea and think it through and develop it. But doing one of the other videos would have taken, would take me a month at, at the rate that I'm going with my editing software and all the, right. the stuff that I used to do. So I just, but I, I was feeling like I wasn't getting enough done. I, I have this urge to say stuff. And so <laughs> I had to come up with a new way to do it. And it's really fun. I've got, I've done about 25 videos now, 26 videos. Okay. And it's really fun. So we'll see. I'll just keep going and see if people like it. But so far people seem to like it. So Yeah, everybody do go check out the Daily Sunny, and again, that is the title of the YouTube channel. We've got the link to the channel here in the chat room. Thanks to Mark Wickens for sharing it here in the chat room over at Block Talk Radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, Selfishness says, she did find a video editing assistant called iPhone, because I remember when you were asking if there's a video editing assistant out there somewhere, and and you've kind of, yeah. you know, again, I, I mean, so, someone was put out of a job because of a technology, you I, know, and this true. happens all the time, right? <laughs> all, these evil machines that keep putting people out of jobs. Yeah, I, I did. I asked for help, and then, and I got some different people volunteered, which was great, and then I ended up having a baby, and I just got completely swallowed up in that for six months. I mean, you can't I have, really I have no else. idea how that happens. I can't understand right? it at all. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. You can't do anything else for about at least three months. And then six, it was six months for me. It was yes. just, I was in a cave. But um, when I emerged, <laughs> I had to think, <laughs> how can I do this? And I started, I tried to do a couple of my normal stuff, and it was just taking me forever and ever and ever. And um, so, yeah, but it's great. It's so easy. And you have to use, I, I don't even set up lights. Or, or microphones. The microphone is my phone microphone. Wow. I use a, a window for light. And it's so, you know, that I, I just tried to take all the technology out of it, basically all the, the difficult technology out and just do this easy, easy, easy thing and focus on the content. So Yeah, now here, but here's the one thing, right? So um, if I'm sitting here on Blog Talk Radio and, and doing a show, I don't have to worry about how I look. And you look good yeah. in the videos. You have to make yourself look good for each of the videos. And again, if you have a child and everything, that can be a challenge to do on a daily basis. So kudos. I mean, this is awesome. Thank you. Well, you'll notice that sometimes I'm just wearing a hat. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> but, all but I you can handle. Everything you know, you're, you're doing it, Sunny. It's awesome. Thanks. So, um, so you watched the debate last night. Did you take a hit of some kind? Oh, well, I was telling you this morning when we were talking about this that, yeah, I, the debate was over and I just felt deflated. I I felt like it was terrible. And I think, you know, I really like Ted Cruz and that's probably why. I didn't, I don't think he did very well. 
he has so, some so good tell me, tell comments. Me why he didn't do well? Because I, I saw. I mean, you know, I, I was. I, Fox News does not like Ted Cruz. Okay, so no, they don't. At the so-called highlight video from last night, and I, I actually only have seen a couple clips from Ted Cruz from last night, and one of them was when he got the the uh, Donald Trump question. And before he goes into the, you know, the highlight of the supposed Donald Trump answer, he actually talks about, um, you know, some good things. You know, he had the whole introduction about Iowa and everything, and Iowa's going to be fly to, not fly over, and, you know, so, some decent stuff. And then, of course, he made that whole joke about, you know, because uh, Donald Trump's not here. Uh, I'm a maniac and everybody's fat and ugly or whatever. Okay, let's get the right. Yeah, I thought so that, that was good. Yeah, that was funny. Well, that, that was good, and that was funny. But that is the clip that Fox chose to put in the highlight reel. Every other candidate, the highlight is at least something substantive about. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, here I am. Like I said, I'm 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 not a slacker, by the way. So I have this really insane teaching schedule right now. Well, insane for me, and it involves me uh, driving to L.A three days a week, and on two of those days, I have these long days, and I don't even get home typically until after 7, and you have to have a spatula to kind of pick me up. You know, I'm a pancake on the floor or whatever by the time I get through uh, L.A. traffic and get home. So I, I just, there's nothing. I've got no steam in me to, to, to watch a debate. So it wasn't like I was being a slacker, but no, I haven't watched it. So I'm trying to catch well, up. Well, here, like, back, to the, back to the phone technology. Yesterday I was driving, I live in Napa, and I was driving home from Berkeley. And it was rush hour, and it was a nightmare. And I watched the debate the entire way home. <laughs> I watched okay. it in my car with so my I should, phone, streaming it. And then okay. you don't feel like you waste your time. But um, I, I think I got home, and there was like the last half an hour, and I, I finally watched that. But it, it yeah. Yeah, sometimes um, if you've been teaching and your mind is going on all that material, all you want to do is just blast music and clear oh, your you and not. So I, you know, I guess I guess yeah, I could I wasn't have tried doing anything intellectual yeah. in Berkeley. I, I wasn't doing any. There was nothing in Berkeley that was brainy. There wasn't. Okay. Um, so. I, yeah, so sometimes there could be certainly. So so yeah, so I was going to Fox News and they you know they have this highlight reel and I'm thinking okay I'm going to get you know a little bit of substance from each of the candidates and for all the other candidates they had something decently substantive and for Cruz it was the comment about Donald Trump and how he would insult everybody who's there, not very helpful. Uh, the the one highlight that I saw from Cruz that I was really impressed with and I think people should be really impressed with is he gave a very comprehensive answer on Obamacare. Did did you not think that he kicked butt with that answer? Did. I thought he had two great moments, and that was one of them. Um, the jokes were okay, and I mean they're good, they're fun. You know, it's good that I like that he has a sense of humor. I like that a lot about him. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise that it really is. You know, another moment that proves how much Fox hates him had to do with the immigration. And if people were watching, I'm sure they agree with me. They they basically they did this to Rubio too, though. They played clips of them actually talking and saying things that seem to contradict their position. Right. And in Rubio's case, we know that he is, he did contradict his, uh, his, because he was in the gang of eight immigration bill. He, he absolutely supported amnesty. Everybody knows it. And Ted Cruz absolutely did not. 
And yet there's that rumor that he did because he introduced some kind of amendment that allowed uh, that took away citizenship, but allowed legalization or something like that. Right. He claims it was all it was a poison pill. And everybody has backed that up, including the people who were with him, Jeff Sessions and so on. Sure. So he's been backed up. He's been all over Fox News talking about this. He's been on every show on Fox being asked about this issue over the past few weeks. And he was, they played him talk, he, introducing this amendment and speaking the speak of put this in the amendment, you know, just acting like he was for it, even though it was a poison pill. Right. And they're saying, well, you know, what a good acting job is what Megyn Kelly basically said to him. Oh, and, you know, either, either you're lying, you're flip-flopped, or you're really a good actor. It was just nasty. And then what made it worse was immediately following the debate, Megyn Kelly interviewed Ted Cruz, and the first thing out of her mouth was, listen, I've done the research, and I know, I know that you didn't, that this was a poison pill. I absolutely know that you are, you are telling the truth but dur- about But that. during the debate, she acted like otherwise. Yes. That that is so dishonest. Yes, I was shocked that the first thing out of her mouth was to validate him after really ripping him apart on stage. And so all you all he could do was basically say, you know, you know, what is he supposed to say to that? Um, his his answer with her in the interview was more comprehensive and better. He explained that he was using the language of the Democrats, and tr- and t- and he was the context of those those conversations was that he was talking to Democrats and using their language. So it was, uh, it was really dishonest. Yeah. And it was a bad moment for him. He, he looked bad and Rubio looked bad and he looked bad in the, it was, it was almost like they were trying to say, first they started with Rubio and it was, it was like they they were saying, yes, yeah, see, you had this other position. And then it was like, they were going to say, and Cruz, you too. And, and get those two on like some kind of even footing, and it was it was actually a takedown. I, I thought it was really effective, and then um, so that was a real big disappointment of the night. That that really, and I just thought Cruz in general, his energy was a little lower. Maybe it's because Trump wasn't there. Maybe it's because he's tired. I mean, he's obviously the Iowa. Oh, he 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 has been working brutal. so hard. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and that was that was part of that was part of the uh, speech he gave. I think there's over ninety counties i guess and so he'd been to all of them right yeah um, and being a, continuing to be a senator because you know he still keeps showing up and voting it's like what is you know rubio doesn't but he does so right he's a very very busy person so and then then the question is i mean so so in terms of a poor performance you just say he showed low energy that he didn't mm-hmm. perform as well as he could in reaction to Fox's attempt to take him down on immigration. And while he had some good answers, just otherwise overall you got the impression that he just didn't perform as well in the debate. Yeah, and then he had two good moments, Obamacare, and then I thought the second really great moment was on ethanol. Um, you know, he was. I think they were trying to get a gotcha on that one. And the, the questions are so, they're so awful. They basically said, you know, the, the the popular Iowa governor thinks you're wrong, and and then they showed the guy, and the whole crowd cheered for him because they they like their governor, I guess. And then they go back to Cruz and say, so what makes you think that you're right? And he's you know something like that. It was just like you're going against the the popular governor. 
Right. Um, but he had a great answer. He said, uh, he basically said that the free market works. He, you know, he's going to, he, these things are not right, but it's also not right to give oil and gas subsidies and the, right. the playing field to be level. And that if, if all of these controls are removed, then ethanol will have a marketplace. Even the, the estimates are even that the market will be 60% larger. Wow. If they remove okay. all of the restrictions on, um, on the, on all of the energy forms. So, and he said that it was his promise that he would do that, that he wouldn't, it wasn't just a focus on ethanol and right. that he was against, you know, that he was for the free market. And I think, I thought he did a really good job explaining that in a short amount of time. So that was a good yeah. And, and in terms of the, the substance of the answer on Obamacare, he did similar, right? Because he says, and he, and he reiterates, he's the only one who says this, I'm going to repeal every single word every of Obamacare. Word. And he says it over and over, which is which is excellent. And then, um, and actually we've got Joel in the uh, chat room here also telling us more about Cruz's answer. Uh, he says that Cruz said that he didn't want government to be picking winners and losers. And he pointed out yeah. that the EPA... EPA has limits on a certain blend of ethanol and gas and that he was in favor of removing that as well, which that's excellent. Thanks, Joel, for the help here. I've got Sunny and now the chat room assisting me in my uh, slackerness. So, (laughs) um, so in terms of that answer on Obamacare, so he says, you know, he's going to repeal every word. And then he says that he wants to do a few things and they are all, you know, in the direction of moving towards a free market in healthcare that would improve the market for healthcare and health insurance. Uh, first is, and I don't, I don't know why they still do this. Supposedly, they say they want competition and you know a, a big market in health insurance, but it is still the law that you cannot sell health insurance across state lines. And Cruz says he would get rid of that. That you could now sell health insurance across state lines. If he becomes president, then he'll make sure that happens. Um, Then the other thing was to expand health savings accounts. And then there's some other acronym that I can't recall that is something else. But basically the the idea is that you want to allow people to save money in a tax-advantaged way, you know, meaning that the money that you put into these accounts wouldn't be taxed. Um, that you could put it straight in, uh, you know, from your paycheck into these accounts and you could use it to spend on routine health matters. So there's that. So what you'd be doing is, you know, there's this big market created because you remove the, you know, the restrictions about selling across state lines. And of course he would also remove the restrictions about what you, what kind of health insurance policies you could sell. So you could truly actually, I always talk about it as legalizing health insurance, right? Because right now you cannot (laughs) buy, you can't, you can't buy health insurance. What you're buying is a government dictated, yes, dictated, uh, prepackaged, like pre, uh, you know, subscribe. It's like, it's like a subscription to healthcare services is what you're paying for, this right? Is why men have to pay for birth control. They have to pay yeah. for insurance that covers birth control, even though maternity, they'll right. never, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the package is the same for everyone, whether you need it or not. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I, when I got out of college, I think my plan was, it was a deductible and then some sort of emergency. And I think yeah. my bill was um, like 35 a month. 
right. for emergency, and my deductible was 5000 which I thought, you know what, that would hurt, but it wouldn't, like, destroy me. <laughs> and that's what I'm right. willing to live with. And then the $35 a month, but I'm young and healthy, and I don't foresee, and I'm not, like, a big risk taker. So, you know, physically, yeah. I'm not and jumping now, out of airplanes and stuff, so it's what I want. Yeah, it's like now it's hundreds of dollars a month, you know, if you buy any kind of semi-decent plan, and you still have thousands of dollars that you could be out of pocket in a yearly basis if you have some kind of catastrophic health thing. Like I had last year, I had this uh, big old kidney surgery and, you know, spent three and a half days in the hospital. And then you see what, you know, you're going to end up paying over the course of all the treatment for that. So, you know, people are talking about how the middle class is sometimes, you know, being really pinched because of health insurance now because the the premiums are huge and then you're still paying. But so my point being is that, you know, under cruise, you could actually buy that type of catastrophic policy that you were buying in college, which is actually health insurance, right? And then you could prepay out of pocket and cruise is proposing that we allow people to do this in what he calls a tax advantaged way with these accounts. Um, how that jives exactly with him wanting to uh, get rid of the IRS and make it our taxes very simple, so that the you know they're on a postcard. Um, you know, would it would that still be the case, and you could still have a health savings account? Is that one of the few kind of tax deductions that would be allowed in the in the new system? I don't know, you know, how you work that out, but it, I, I could see that could be you know a very important thing that you would put on that postcard. Uh, but so then there's that, and then um, the third thing was the final thing. Oh, go ahead. Okay, no, no. I, tell I, me I was going to tell you the final thing he said. Yeah. I think is almost the most critical and the most long range, and that is decoupling insurance from your employer. So it's a personal policy that you can take with you when you you leave a job and move to another job. And especially in this day and age, when people move around job to job, or you know they go from job to self-employment to job to self-employment, it would would have been so nice to have had the same policy all this time, and it's, uh, you know, so that I think is really important and it's probably the number one reason why people don't really have a sense of what they're paying for anymore too. Right, exactly. Because if you go through the employer, the employer is paying a certain amount, you're paying a certain amount out of your paycheck. It's hugely expensive, these employer-based plans as well. And then there's probably still, you know, deductibles and everything else that, that are coming out of pocket. So it's, uh, it, it definitely lets you see anything that the government is doing that makes it hard for you to see the bottom line, what something is actually costing you is tough. So when right now we have, you know, huge chunks of money taken out of our paycheck every pay period and you never even see that money, you don't have a sense of how much you're losing in taxes. You get this refund that you're supposed to see as like some gift, you know, manna from heaven coming down your tax refund, and you just don't get a sense. And, and that's, it's true. It's so important. If you decouple this from your employer, then you buy it separately. You pay that money out of your own check every separate, you know, separately every month, and you get to see what it's actually costing you. Salaries could go up, and then you can shop and you can, you know, shop for your health insurance according to your risk aversion and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think, that, I mean, even if that was maybe the only great answer he gave in the evening, if there's people who realize one of the most crucial issues in this election is to repeal Obamacare, 
And, you know, it's weird that lot... he's the only one. Yeah, it's, it's weird. He's the only one talking about it. And I saw a uh, poll. Isn't he the only ethanol one, too? Isn't he the only one on ethanol with that good yeah. position? No, yeah. actually, uh, Rand Paul. Oh, yeah, Rand Paul. Paul Rand Paul is one. Right, right, right. Yep. But the uh, the Obamacare thing, he's really the only, well, he and he was the big fighter against it, the only really big fight, him, he, him and Mike Lee, the only big fighters against it in Congress. Although a lot of people went along with them, they were the, the leaders. And that's one of the reasons why I like Ted Cruz so much, and uh, because it's such a horrible law. I don't know a single person that isn't affected negatively by it, including people who are on Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't just caused all of you know us with private insurance to go. Oh my, the, our, our premiums are skyrocketing. Our care is getting um, less, and our deductibles are up, and everything else. But people on Obamacare, the nightmare of going through that process has has been really bad too. And doctors, especially in California here, a lot of doctors won't take it. So you have to be very careful. You might lose your doctor. You might you know you might only get really bad care. So especially if you had an illness, it would be it would just be awful. So it's um, it's really bad. And I saw a statistic a couple of days ago, brand new poll out that 70 percent of Americans hate it, just don't want it. Wow. (laughs) And and didn't um, I think Cruz had promised that if he does, you know, win the nomination, I think he said that he promises to make the election a referendum on the repeal of Obamacare. Is that right? I haven't heard him say that, but I mean, it's just one I think, of his I big think issues. I remember, for sure. I think I re- I remember that, and I mean, that would be wonderful to see. I doubt any other candidate would do that. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Rand Paul hasn't gotten more insistent and more free market on that issue. Um, he wasn't really, a, you know, when the fight was going on, he he was not in it, and and I think that's weird. the first moment when I remember thinking. Is he who he says he is? <laughs> you know, it was the first moment. Where is Rand Paul? Why this guy who's fighting against drones and fighting against the the NSA data, all this you know good stuff was just not around when it came to the biggest takeover of an industry, you know, the a giant industry nationalization basically. And he's and, got and, nothing and to one, say. And one where you know he's a doctor. So he has oh, seen the negative consequences of this firsthand. Uh, by the way, Joel here in the chat room is giving us a little bit of the backstory about having your insurance tied to your employment. And this is history that I've heard before, you know, a, a number of times, but, uh, you know, through Rita Parna Basu from the Ayn Rand Institute when she was doing um you know, health policy-related talks for them. He says, health insurance was only ever coupled to employment in the first place because of the wage and price controls imposed after World War II, requiring employers to add non-wage compensation to attract good employees. Yes, and, and that's right, because, you know, once government controls come in, then all these perversions in the market take place, and that's what we've got now. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, you were talking about the the projections of what would happen for the demand for ethanol if they removed all these various controls that they have right now in those, uh, you know, in the fuel market. And sometimes when they make those predictions, you just wonder how they can be very accurate because there are so many darn controls affecting every single product out there. 
you know, you say, okay, well, if I remove these controls, probably this will happen, but you don't really know, right? But what you do know yeah. is that it's going to be better. Um, it, and, of course, it's more moral, right, to not have government forcing people to do certain things regardless of what they believe is in their true self-interest, that if you remove that control, we're going to have something more moral. And in general, you know, your economists go around and they draw their graphs and they show that it is, as a side effect, going to make everybody better off, and it probably would. Uh, but what you do you, know you is think that get forced when out it of comes to energy, when it comes to energy, I don't know. I mean, I have to wonder about, you're right, how do they come up with these numbers? And if you think yeah. about basically ethanol, would it even exist if it wasn't for a government program because it's it's supposed you know the all the money flowing into these alternative energy sources that would not it would not have happened if people were just if it wasn't for the government you'd just be using oil and gas and coal and you know i i don't know i really don't know and like you said we don't know what would have happened so without these government controls would would the market go back to oil and gas and coal i don't know i mean i suppose there's been a big enough change at this point in engines and things like that that maybe maybe it wouldn't go back because right. it's already, we're already in the habit of design of manufacturing engines that work with with this kind of gas and whatever else there's um someone here in the chat room redmond mtb so welcome i think i've seen you maybe in the chat room before but uh not all the time so welcome back and uh he writes or she writes here's an interesting analysis on ethanol and uh, says, I always try to avoid it in my gas and then puts a link. So maybe ethanol is not great for some engines at least, but you're saying that there's... I've heard that. Yeah. So people would go ahead and research and decide whether, I assume it's cheaper in some way, right? So if you cut the oil and gas components with ethanol a little bit, you mix that in, it would make the resulting fuel cheaper. Is that the attraction? I don't know if it's cheaper or if it's cheaper because it's subsidized. Right. You know? And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm from that, I'm from the area where they grow corn. And I can say that when I was little, you used to be able to walk through the corn rows. And they have figured out a way, they've modified corn and stuff now to pack it in just, it's like there's an inch between stalks almost. And this has all been because of the ethanol subsidies and growing corn has just become so profitable just because of that, that, um, that things have changed. So I, I, I really don't know what would happen. I mean, they've really, they've changed corn to support this, this government supported energy. Right. It's interesting. I mean, so, 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 I mean, what you, what you do know is that there would be more wealth, right? Because you would have less force and people would be able to freely figure out where they're going to invest their money so that it could be the most productive, right? Um, and it, it's more moral. It takes that whole government forcing you to do things you don't want to do out of the equation. Uh, you know, it's the, and also government giving subsidies. What does that mean? That means all of us are paying somebody to you know, do something that they wouldn't be able to be paid for on the free market. I mean, that's about as immoral as it gets. So, um, it, I mean, it, it would be more moral. Exactly what the effect on the market would be. Like I say, I don't know that you could really know because there's so many darn controls on on the market today. So, well, so maybe that Ted could appoint uh, Ted Cruz could appoint Trump as his negotiator to negotiate uh, tariffs so that the corn sellers could sell their corn overseas more easily 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I uh, um you know, you could make a good deal. It'll be a good deal. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a deal. And, and the deal is always, you know, we're going to keep high tariffs and you know, on the on the stuff that's coming in, right? We're not going to be able to buy anything cheap from China anymore, but boy, we can export. Woohoo, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, so overall, you, like you were saying, maybe the energy of Cruz, because Trump wasn't there, somehow a little bit lower, but also maybe just because he's exhausted from the campaign trail. Who else stood out for you? I mean, I, I, I saw the highlight from Rubio, and the highlight that Fox News had from Rubio is just, for me, a reminder of that horrible clip he had about how atheists don't understand rights, because he oh. talked about how religion is going to govern his conduct and as president and in, in his yeah. own personal life or something too. Like I really needed to know that. I'm so glad that you took very valuable time on Fox News to tell me about your personal religion. Can we just talk about politics and not religion? You know? <laughs> he he made a number of comments like that. As you know, here's what happened. That video that I posted, uh that is a viral video. People loved that. And and he got a lot of praise for that for his answer to that atheist. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, all of us atheists are going, we're groaning. We're like, oh my god, did he just say? Did he okay. just say that we can't understand America? Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess there's some sort of divine inspiration that only he gets because you know people who. So I don't know. But anyway, it, it got such good play that I think he was taking that and using that. Uh, in hopes of, you know, getting that kind of the kind of compliments that he was getting from that video, so I think that's why he did it because he hasn't done that in other debates. Yeah, no, I haven't seen him before, and now he's pushing it. And I think in part because Cruz has had, I mean, unfortunately for me, uh, somewhat of a monopoly on uh, attracting evangelicals and, and others who are extremely religious. If you are evangelical and extremely religious, I am. Fine, go ahead. That's great, but I just I don't want to bring it into politics. Um, I I you know I mean I think it's wrong. It's fine for somebody else, but let's just try to keep it separate. So I was again when I had heard that one, and I can't remember where I heard it that Ted Cruz said if he wins the nomination, he's going to make it a referendum on repealing Obamacare. That was so refreshing to me because you might be afraid, yeah. depending on some of the phases that he went through, that he was going to make it a referendum on religious liberty or something like that. Um, Right. Yeah, I think he's got, you know, and he's had good answers on this. I mean, he's religious, obviously. He's very religious. And some of his political viewpoints are informed by his religion. However, it seems like his priority really is the Constitution. And Mm -hmm. policy-wise, in terms of current issues, it's Obamacare. It's the IRS. Uh, He definitely talks about getting rid of whole government, a whole list of government agencies, which I don't see any other candidate talking about. Either and, you know, the funny thing about evangelicals, I, a lot of them are supporting Trump, who couldn't be more secular, really, compared to uh-huh. basically the entire Republican field. So I don't really understand what's going on there. Uh, and you know, they talked about evangelicals staying home during the Romney, um, the the 2012 Romney, Obama election. And mm-hmm. that that was a big reason why the Republicans lost. And yet here you have a guy who's, who's, let's face it, we know he's not very religious. I mean, maybe he's paying a little bit of lip service to it, but he's not really, he doesn't talk like the rest of these guys. And, and it doesn't really seem to be a big part of his life. 
Right. But the evangelicals are supporting him. So it's very weird. Mm. It is I don't very know strange. what that's about. No. But and, as far as and, the debate. Oh, mm-hmm. no, ahead. no, go ahead. Because I, I did, I did want to ask you what your impressions were of other candidates of well, you know, one thing about yeah. Cruz, I just wanted well, to kind of do the, the okay. big disclaimer, right? So you and I are both kind of pro Cruz and I assume of course you agree with me, there's a number of positions on which we disagree with Cruz and these are typically having to come from his religious background. Of course we're in favor of liberty for people who are religious. So if you talk about, you know, would would you force a religious baker to bake a cake for a homosexual couple for their wedding or something. No, of course we would not do that. But, you know, in, in terms of, for example, banning gay marriage or banning any type of abortion, we disagree with that. Right. Um, right. I, you know, disagree with it. We, you know, we, we could talk about, you know, some types of partial birth abortion done in the late term and is it individual and, you know, whatever, but, point is in, in general we would keep abortion legal um so that i would you know for anybody's right to make a cake or to not make a cake that they didn't want to make i it's just shocking for whatever me, reason the, for whatever reason yeah oh, yes yes freedom of association completely right. so yeah so so obviously we're we're there but you know insofar as we do disagree with Cruz. The big reason that I always tell people I nonetheless support him is, you know, of course, all these great positions that he's got on Obamacare and IRS and everything else, which just don't exist in the other candidates. But the strongest reason is, say, you you know, you say, okay, he's very religious. That scares me. He seems to have a very principled, thorough understanding of freedom of speech. And so that would mean to an atheist like me that, under a Cruz presidency, I would nonetheless have the maximum freedom to continue my blog talk show and express myself in all the ways that I disagree with Cruz, whatever he's doing about abortion or gay marriage or anything else, I can go out there and make my case. And I don't think there's any other candidate on either party or three parties or four parties or whatever we're going to have with Bloomberg and Johnson and anybody else throwing their hat in the ring None of them, I think, understand freedom of expression as well as Cruz does. And one of the other things that Cruz talked about recently is removing the idea that the Internet is now a public utility that can be regulated, right? Um, Oh, yeah, I heard him say that that was great. That is so important for all of us who communicate via the Internet because I'm sure it's already having effects on our ability to get our message out. And, and it's just more signs than that of the I, I what I look to is what's going on on campuses right now too. That to me is very scary. And if we don't start rolling back some of this, it, what feels like a very very fast uh, trend toward banning speech um, everywhere, uh, starting in the colleges, but obviously you know you hear it everywhere out of the colleges too. But it's really happening in the colleges, and. You know, people are getting fired for having a different opinion at a college, right. or even even the CEO who who donated a thousand dollars to a, a Christian um, movement that was trying to stop gay marriage lost his job wow. from a company he founded. I don't know if you remember that from a few years back. But so no. this stuff is really out of control. And I mean, as a comedian too, I 
I noticed a lot in comedy, all the apologizing going on <laughs> for, you know, the slightest little slip up, which is just silly. And um, so that's, it's a very, very scary trend. So it'd be nice to have a president that was very firm about his and principled in his stance on free speech. It ran Paul's pretty good on that too, I think though. Okay. Well, that, that's good as well. As and and there's for... a lot that, there's a lot that I like about Rand Paul. Um, but again, I'm troubled by the fact that he doesn't have the identical stand on Obamacare that Cruz has. And I, I don't know how yeah. you would explain that. Well, and he hasn't, he has picked, picked weird fights. You know, he's been kind of absent in some really important fights. And I just get the sense that he, and he has also criticized, this bothers me more than anything maybe, he has criticized Cruz for standing up to the establishment, Republicans. Right. And Rand Paul, of all people, should have been, you know what, I admire that, and that's the way to go, I do it, he does it, there aren't that many of us, and it's important. And instead he criticized Cruz, you know, said, you know, bad tactics, he needs to get along with people. And when he said that, I thought, yeah, that's, that's really bad. So, hey, and somebody sent me this. Ted Cruz said, let's make 2016 a referendum on adopting a flat tax and repealing every word of Obamacare. Right, right. That was it, too. That was the other part of it. I had forgotten that part. Yes, exactly. He said those. And, I mean, those, too. It, it was so, like I said, refreshing because there have been a number of times where Cruz, I mean, Cruz said that one thing about um, if someone doesn't begin his day on his knees, then he is not qualified to be commander in chief, right? So you you, you yeah, have to be someone who's religious. You start your day by praying. Now he said commander in chief, so he was talking about military. And you know, unless you're religious, maybe you shouldn't be sending people off to die. And of course, I disagree with all of that, and I'm offended by it, right? And I'll argue back to Cruz. I'll say, look, um, I'm an atheist. I don't believe that there's this afterworld that you get to go to after you die. So I would say that the lives of our sons and daughters, so to speak, are even more precious in that way than you, because I think that once they are killed, that they have nothing, that they don't, they're not going to go to heaven or anything else. So, you know, I disagree completely. Um, and I get offended by when he says these things. And, and that's one thing, you know, I, I have been uh, talking up Cruz and, you know, tentatively supporting him since he did the so-called filibuster-ish thing on Obamacare in, in 2013. And every time, though, that he says one of these things, I, I, you know, and he starts his campaign, he announces it at Liberty University and all of these, you know, plays to the evangelicals. Obviously, I, I get worried about it, but I keep coming back to the issue of freedom of expression, and I get relieved when I hear things like that, that he's going to make it a referendum on these very important, you know, political issues, purely political, flat tax and repeal. I mean, that sounds beautiful. Who else is saying that? Well, and he's also, regarding the, the you know, abortion and gay marriage, he has actually said that those should be state state issues. So he's not even saying the federal government needs to, you know, go after Roe v. Wade and needs to do, you know, he hasn't really said it like that. He's very much kind of milder on that than than some of the other candidates, too. So right. I, I just think he would, for the most part, I, I'm sure I wouldn't agree with everything he did. But, yeah, I think on my big issues, they seem to be his big issues, Obamacare, taxes, 
just regulation in general. So department, you know, all the many departments that he wants to get rid of. I think regulation is killing the economy, you know, just as much as taxes. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one I would love to see Department of Education just go. And and that is one of the ones yeah. I think that he does, right? He says he's going to It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um that is so important so, for the I, long term, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, right. So another observation on the debate though, it, we were talking about maybe Cruz having lower energy because Trump wasn't there. I think, you know, I think maybe because he was, I bet Cruz was really prepared to take down Trump. And that was like, he was ready. And then Trump oh, didn't so he was go. Disappointed. And, and he, he was deflated. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, kind of like, oh, he's got to reorient himself to actually just being in a straight debate. And some of his answers weren't quite as succinct and seemed to kind of be a little like rambly and, and it was kind of confusing. And I don't like when the candidates say, you can go to my website and look at my, it's like, I'm not going to go to your website right now. <laughs> tell me, stop talking Certainly not while I'm driving through traffic in California. Right. I mean, but every candidate says that on my website, you can see that it's just like, okay, say, you know, and they're trying to make their point too, but they have a minute and I, you know, it's just, there's just not enough time and there's still so many candidates. So uh, I don't like that. But anyway, um, but Trump's absence, I think, also really affected Jeb Bush because Hmm. he had his Jeb Bush's performance in all of the other debates, in my opinion, was like an F minus with just as low as you could go. Could not be worse. He's so bad. And in this debate, he was better. He was more like a D plus. Um, (laughs) He was standing a little straighter. He wasn't bobbing his head so much. He didn't sound quite so whiny. And he had some good answers, and and he even had an exchange with Marco Rubio where he kind of owned Marco Rubio a little bit, which um, is tough to do. I think Rubio is very good on his feet, and Jeb. So Jeb had his best performance ever, and I I heard somebody say Jeb Bush's bully wasn't there, so he was in a you know he was doing better. Wow, I think that's true. Now you know uh, Fox in the little highlight that I saw, all he did was tout his family. Right, because he says, okay, well, you know, everyone says I'm establishment. Well, if I'm if I'm establishment because I have you know this great family whom I love and respect, my father and my brother who were president. Well, then so be it. It's awesome. So I guess he's he's embracing his claim to establishment fame. Yeah, he even said, uh, if I'm establishment because Barbara Bush is my mom, then yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's, he's, he's established because of his positions. Remember, uh, as I recall, Jeb Bush has been a supporter of Common Core, which is just the latest government grab of power over education with all sorts of horribleness. And there's all kinds of other positions that he holds as well. He did say something yeah. good in the realm of foreign policy that I recall looking at these highlights here. I, I studied a tiny bit, um, but he, yeah, he said he something... Like, like to get the chains off knowledgeable. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I said on foreign policy, he came across knowledgeable, definitely. And and principled in the sense that the little quotation that I read was that he said, we need to, I think, get the lawyers off the backs of our soldiers or something. Mm -hmm. And and that's That's a huge um, issue. This idea that we could have obliterated ISIS long ago if there weren't so many weird rules of engagement and, you know, cumbersome ways 
of determining whether we're conducting, you know, our military operations pursuant to these rules of engagement. You know, the the, the stereotype is they want to bomb something where there's these bad ISIS guys, and then they have to get on the phone with a lawyer, and the lawyer has to parse language, you know, and decide whether this target is okay or not. And, you know, if, if there's a certain amount of risk, I remember this because um, I think you remember I, t- I taught at the Air Force Academy for a few years, and we yeah. had this briefing about, you know, exactly what are the constraints, right? What are the number of civilian casualties above which you actually have to, you know, stop what you're doing and consult somebody in Washington, D.C., regardless of where you are around the world, you have to stop what you're doing, consult someone in Washington, D.C., and decide whether you have permission to do the target. And it is if they predict that there's, you know, a decent potential that above 30 civilian casualties might result from whatever it is. That's like the magic number, like above 29 or something. So if it's, if it's 30 or more, then suddenly there. So imagine you've got the most important, horrible bastard from ISIS, right? The guy who needs to die. And you can't get him because you've got to first, you know, ask the Pentagon or whatever, and then you get your permission and it's too late. You've missed the shot. Yeah, and meanwhile, he's probably hiding, you know, if it's, depending on the where he's hiding. I mean, a lot of those people aren't so innocent either. The civilians. Right. 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 But now, in any case, I mean, you can't, you know, there just is there is collateral damage in war. Can you imagine if we fought this way in World War II? It's, all the bombing and the, it's just incredible. We'd just be struggling in Deutsch right now if uh Yes, we, we would. That's <laughs> <laughs> not quite how you say it, but um, we'd be hiring Hitler for sure. Let me ask you about something that, that Joel stuck here in the chat room. He said that Trump's refusal to appear wasn't because of Megyn Kelly, that he refused to appear because he was afraid of Cruz. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah. I, well, I mean that and maybe more, I think that he was weighing the risks and it was, he's ahead in the polls and he's neck and neck with Cruz. Why take the risk? of being, it's a, it's an environment he can't control. And he went over and did something he could control. Um, I don't think it, I don't know. I, I don't know if it will cost him anything. I, I really can't say it's so hard to say with him when he's going to make a mistake. Cause uh, I, I keep feeling like he's made mistakes, but he survives them and does better. So I don't know, but he, uh, I think he was afraid more of, obviously he's afraid of what, he'll be confronted with by either Fox or Ted Cruz and especially Ted Cruz most likely uh, if he were there. And I'm sure that everyone knew that Cruz was preparing to unload on him. And there hasn't been a debate really where Cruz went in guns blazing against Trump. So this was going to be it. And and I'm sure Trump just said, "Eh, it's not worth the risk. Right, right. Now, I think I saw one poll where people said that Trump, even though he didn't appear, won the debate. Like 50-some-odd percent of the people polled thought that Trump won, and then it was like 18% for Rubio or something and something for Cruz, you know. So it was like Trump, Rubio, Cruz, but Trump by 52% for not appearing. That's because his supporters, I I don't know, my news feed last night was just filled with Trump supporters saying, vote, vote now for Trump winning the debate. 
they, it was a big online campaign that happened. Well, and, and <laughs> so. so here's my big question about that, right? Because all these polls, you know, Trump is way out ahead or this or that. Do you think that these polls are being gamed such that maybe in Iowa we're not going to see a great turnout for Trump? I, I, you know, I know Joel in the chat room just made a comment about how people in Iowa, um, oh, he thinks he thinks he's going to lose in Iowa. Okay, I don't know if he thinks he's going to. He can say that Fox was unfair to him and made him lose in Iowa, so Trump wants to blame Fox for it or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering. I know that there's a, a website that a lot of people respect. It's called 538 or something, that they were predicting yeah. that there's a good chance that Cruz could win Iowa. Yeah, I think there is a good chance. And especially what they're saying is is that the people who are being polled are not the kind of people who vote in the caucus. So for for Trump, Trump supporters are not generally the people who are, are caucusing. So I, I don't really understand who they're asking then, if they're just, they're asking likely Republican voters, but aren't they asking registered Republicans? I'm not really sure how right. that works, but I've, I've heard that analysis over and over that they're not sure that his, his people are going to show up. Um, right. And it depends um, on his a... ground game. So Right. And and a lot of people wonder what is ground game. His ground game consists of filling stadiums with people and kicking out people who, you know, appear to be dissenters in some sort of a loud way so that he, I guess people notice it. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of strategy that is, but I had heard that he was sort of giving out freebies to get people to come to these big stadium appearances. So I really that, that that I heard that behind the scene. Now I don't know if that's really true, but um, there was I have to find that out. I have to talk to yeah. some people who are there and, and find out. Well, that's an interesting. I think we're going to see it when we start seeing the primary results come in. We're going to see whether there's anything to this Trump phenomenon. I do wonder whether the polls are being gamed, whether there's something behind all these huge crowds at the at the stadium appearances that he makes. The New York Times. I think I was probably talking about it last week because I had this show about how, you know, Trump's the empty vessel that everybody thinks that they're going to be the one yeah. to get to fill, you know. And this is the only way to explain the support for him from all these establishment people. It's so bizarre that the guy who at first was coming out, as you know, guns blazing is the most anti-establishment candidate ever. Now all these establishment people are lining up behind him. Why? Because they think they're going to be the one who's going to be his friend and get all the favors from him. Well, they and, know Cruz you know, won't be. Right. No, Cruz won't be. That's, yes. that's a done deal. He is not a guy that they can deal with, and Trump might be. It's right. It's uh. It's, they're right. They're right to pick Trump over Cruz for sure. Yeah, and and that's what they're doing. So establishment people are, and then supposedly, if you believe the polls, a whole bunch of Americans are. But the New York Times had this article, uh, you know, where they were doing a little bit of reporting on the ground in New Hampshire. And among all the New Hampshire Republicans whom they you know, spoke with, the people were saying, well, I know that there's supposed to be a majority of us who support Trump, but I've never met any of these so-called Trump supporters. Where are they? And <laughs> clearly these, you know, majority of Trump support, you know, majority of Republicans being Trump supporters in New Hampshire, they're not very active like these other people going to political events or whatever, at least there's that. And if they're not active in that, are they going to the polls? You know, who are these people? And then I've yeah. had you know, debates with academic colleague, you know, who says, 
or not debates, but discussions. These are these are friendly people. Um, but you know, we're talking about you know where are these people, and they say, well, the Trump supporters, you know, they're uneducated and they're this and that. So maybe that's why we haven't run into them. But the truth is going to come out. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, that's we don't really. really right. it's, it's not it's not necessarily snotty, right? But it's like you know, at least saying you know maybe these people just run in different circles than maybe we you do. And ask and, your you, auto mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Don't you have a hairdresser? I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing and hitting the microphone here. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that that didn't really resonate with me. I I have seen some <laughs> Trump supporters in my social media feeds on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, and some of them are very vocal, but there's not that many of them that I've seen. I I have seen I've seen a lot of Trump supporters. On my news feed. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay, so you, you know, just have, for you know, a, maybe, a wider variety. I, my, I do. I suppose I, because of my videos, I have this fan page, you know, and and I do sometimes criticize Trump, and then I get just a ton of criticism for criticizing him, and from you know his fans that are also my fans, and uh, that so they exist. <laughs> but I don't, um, you know, I don't know. I it's. I used to be skeptical of polls and then 2012 happened and all the pundits were saying, all these polls are not accurate and so on. And Romney lost and my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe that Obama won. And uh, ever since then, I, now I'm like, well, the polls say, (laughs) whatever the polls say is what's happening. But when it comes to the primaries, it's a little bit different. And so as far as who's going to win the primary, I think that is that is kind of more of a complicated analytical thing going on. And I've heard a lot of people say that they're just not sure that Trump supporters are going to come out. So we'll see, I guess we'll find out Monday. Yeah. Monday. Oh my gosh. I'm going to probably be, I can't even bite my nails, but I'll, I'll be trying. Um, Cause I, I am, I'm really <laughs> curious to see. And I would not have believed, you know, in 2013 when I was so impressed with Cruz being on the floor of the Senate saying all those awesome things about the need to repeal Obamacare, defund Obamacare at that point in time they were talking about, and how everyone needed to go out and read Atlas Shrugged. You oh, know, by yeah. the way, uh, he he has, a, I guess, a personal Facebook page. And if you look at it uh, under books, you know, people put their favorite books on their Facebook. The only book that's there is Atlas Shrugged. The only thought- book. I saw that the other day. Now, you know, wow. he just may not have spent a whole lot of time on his Facebook page or, you know, maybe he needs to put other books there too, but he put Atlas Shrugged there, which, you know, as an objectivist, that that means a lot to me. And, and I know he's not an objectivist, but he's recommending it and he's proposing a lot of policy proposals that are right in line with what we and would unlike want. Paul Ryan, uh, or what is his name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that um, guy, we forgot him. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Paul Ryan, he's he's not going to. I don't see Cruz ever disavowing beliefs because they're not popular. Uh, right. Do you remember when Paul Ryan turned? He was like an Iron Man fan, and then when he got when he got the nod to be the vice president um, on the ticket, uh, he backed off that. It was like somebody said, yeah. "Well, you're just going to have to go out and disavow your your enthusiasm for Ayn Rand," and he did. That's just terrible. I mean, I always talk about the fact that. With Cruz, you know, he he does. He stands out from everybody else. And it doesn't matter 
if you're an objectivist or not, if you know, if you're, I think, a thoughtful conservative, you see that this guy is very different. And I tell people the difference that makes the difference is that he has been influenced by Rand. He's not an objectivist, but he's been influenced, and that clearly makes a difference. You know, I wanted, um, and I don't know if you if you can still hang on for a bit more. I typically do an hour and a half, Sunny. So if you're able to stay yeah, with definitely. me, I, I would love it. Um, yeah. I want to move on a little bit to Hillary Clinton because there's a piece of news that had disturbed me that I saw I in my I saw piece. that. Yeah, I oh, saw yeah. you post that. Let's talk about it. But what I wanted to ask you is, were, were there any other kind of notable things about the debate, the performance of anybody else that, that stood out for you? I just keep wondering why John Kasich is even there. That's the only. Every time I see him talk, I'm. What is going? I don't even know what he says. I have no interest. It's like if you're going to grade them from, you know, A, B, C, D, he's like just zero. I don't even know. I can't believe that people follow this guy. He's a, he's basically a socialist. Yes. It's so weird. Yeah, and and, and I, mean, I guess he, the, the, he's responsible for that huge Medicaid expansion in Ohio under Obamacare. He was an early and eager adopter. And yeah, proponent, you know, yeah, and that's horrible to me. Anybody, you know, again, if you're if you're thinking about where you want the future of this country to go, do you want socialized medicine? Get behind Kasich. Get behind Trump too, right? You know, Trump's in favor. Uh, so Kasich yeah. should be out. We agree there. What else? Um, the the other thing was the interesting thing were the uh, there was a lot of kind of controversy around who were these YouTube stars going to be that that got to ask questions. And the funny thing about that to me was the questions were like, you know, the questioners were obviously liberals. I think maybe one guy might have been a Republican, but um, the questions were, one of the questions was about, um, you know, immigration. And the other question was from a Muslim who was like, you know, all this Islamophobia and stuff is her big concern. And those, instead of tossing those to somebody who might, disagree with them they toss them to people who would agree with them which i mm. thought was a strange so when they when they got the um the girl the muslim who said you know she's worried about islamophobia they tossed that to jeb bush who just was like all you know love and <laughs> everybody this is a nation of immigrants and everybody you know just like exactly what any compassionate conservative would say <laughs> so, oh but i gosh. found the choice like if they'd given that to Ted Cruz or to even oh. Rubio, I mean both of those guys would have had to have been tougher than that, and they would have had to bring up um, terrorism and Islam, and and they would have had a chance to kind of explain that and the difference between being you know a bigot and being um, safe. So I, I just found it interesting that they just did a real softball there, and I don't know why they made that choice because it would have been probably more exciting had they thrown it to a candidate that might have had something to say. I think it would have been really good if they chose you as a YouTube star that got to ask a I question. Know. That, yeah. <laughs> I would have. I would have loved that. What question would you have asked if they had let you do that? Boy, that's a good. I have to think about that, but maybe I could have said, "Hey, so uh, what did Atlas Shrug do for you?" <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and and then could we please take Fox uh, airtime to go through every single candidate, you know, to have them all say what did Atlas Shrugged do for them and then we'll see yeah. who even read it. How has Ayn Rand influenced you? You know, someday that will happen. There will be a debate yes. where that's a question. Right. Right. 
but not now. I think the only two people on the stage who would have anything substantive to say about it would be Cruz and, and Rand Paul, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else about anything Anything else about the debate before we go I, to I Hillary? I guess I could say something about Chris Christie. He's the only one we haven't talked about. And, you know, he just always kind of does the same performance. And it's good. It's not bad. Um, he's another one. I'm wondering why is he still in this race? It's just kind of ridiculous. Maybe he was waiting for, you know, there's been some wobbling of the establishment. Where are they going to go? Who are they going to pick? Is Trump going to implode? And who's going to be left standing when he does? Is it going to be Rubio? Is it, you know, who's the next establishment choice? And I guess that could happen. Something could happen and Trump could implode. He could actually shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and then maybe actually lose <laughs> some supporters. Oh, my gosh. Right? I don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe, some, you know, I don't know. Maybe he'll get caught buying votes and, uh, you know, something like that could maybe end his campaign. But And then Chris Christie will be right there to pick up the pick up the pieces. Oh, my god! But gosh. he did okay. Well, the thing that always gets me about Chris Christie, and I always want to have, and I don't know how it was last night, but I always want to have the drinking game. Every time that he tells you, that he was a federal prosecutor right around the time of uh, time of 9/11 and how he did all these heroic <laughs> things about that and that therefore that you 9/11 yeah the 9/11 prosecutor and that you should defer to him about issues of encryption internet surveillance NSA bulk data collection he knows best right just get him off the stage. Yeah. I mean, for me anyway, because no, I mean that is such a huge issue for me. Question that way. He answered. It was a. That's funny that you mentioned that because they asked him. Um, you know the the people who didn't call call in the suspicious activity of the San Bernardino terrorists going mm-hmm. on at their house said they were afraid to do so because of profiling and what should, you know what should what do you say to that? What should they have done? And. Chris Christie basically said, if you see something, you say something, and you let the cops do it. You let the cops figure it out, which I actually thought was a good answer, but still, he he just kept saying, you don't make those decisions. You don't make those decisions. <laughs> you leave that up to law enforcement. Apparently, citizens cannot be trusted to, you know, not be racist. They should just automatically, if they're suspicious, just let the cops figure it out. Well, I mean, I, at least, you know, I mean, they have policies in place that they're not allowed to, quote, profile, but there's nothing that says that we aren't allowed to profile, at least not yet, right? We're right. waiting for 1984 is going to descend on us at some point if we don't get somebody in like Cruz. So, um, you know, maybe he's just saying, you don't have to filter yourself, we'll filter you, you know, pat you on the back. But I, I remember, I think it was the last debate, where everyone, the other candidates, a couple of the other candidates were talking about encryption. And they were all giving intelligent answers about, not all of them, because Carson actually punted, I think, on that question. But then when it got to Christie, Christie's telling the audience, oh, you audience, you know, you can't really understand this debate about privacy and encryption and NSA and uh, your eyes are glazing over and, you know, let me tell you because I'm a former federal prosecutor around the time of 9-11 and I'll give you the answer that you need, which is that the government needs more power. We need to, you know, do more do more surveillance so that we can get the bad guys. If you're going to have, you know, if you're going to find the needle in the haystack, there's got to be, I and mean, he didn't say all that, but this, these are all the tired arguments that I've seen. Yeah. 
Rubio you know, made those arguments still- last night. If, if you're going to do the needle in the haystack, you got to have the haystack. Yeah. Yeah. Rubio <sighs> made that made similar arguments last night, and Rand Paul shut him down. You know, like he does. That's his Excellent. big issue. Yeah, he. I yeah. mean, in that little poll that I saw, they said he performed surprisingly well. Uh, so he was he was good well. on privacy last night. Yeah, he was, and I think that's his. I think that is his strongest issue, actually. Right. And it's yeah. important. And the. Did you watch any highlights from the kids' table debate? I saw a little bit. So, uh, Fiorina, I think said something good. I'm actually forgetting what it is right now, though. But it was decent. She had a great. Uh, moment where she went after Hillary and made several jokes, and I wish I could remember them off the top of my head here, but they they were good. She had a really good moment <laughs> with that. I like her. I think she'd make a good, you know, Secretary of State or like put her in charge mm-hmm. of a really dysfunctional government agency and have her clean it up. And she's a very good communicator, and she's tough. Right, right. I, I I've been a little bit put off. Uh, in the last debate, I was put off by the idea that she's the one who uniquely can face Hillary because she's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's just trying to find some kind of crowbar, but I don't know how that would appeal to half the country, which are men. Right. So it's just, it's, I think it's kind of a calculated mistake, actually. But she's, uh, you know, I like her. I think I like her in general, um, especially if she's led by someone principled who can just kind of unleash her where she can really do her thing. Because um, I do think she's got a lot of strengths. And I think that way about Carson, too. I, I like I like his demeanor. I think he's very, very smart. I think he'd make a great person in office somewhere, but I, I just think he somebody stronger for president. That's my personal opinion. And then no, definitely. as far as the other – go ahead. You know, go, uh, the only thing I was going to say was in the little highlight reel that I saw, the only comment that they had was, he says, I'm not a politician. You're not going to hear this slick political speech from me, but you're going to hear the truth. And I always feel, yeah, I hear the truth from him. But like I said, when he punted completely on the privacy encryption issue and refused to kind of get in the sway and say what he thought about it even, that made him even go a little bit further down in my estimation. I just I just don't feel like he's got enough solid substance and like you said certainly not strong enough i like him like him a lot very likable maybe put him in at the head of health and human services and help dismantle that darn thing right yeah he's very he's he's so calm which i really do like about him he seems like a Mm -hmm. really uh you know someone you'd want to have around you to just kind of keep everything in a lower calmer rational place uh but he's he doesn't seem very principled and he's, uh, but he's very smart. So yeah, I think he would be great led by somebody principled and um, with a little more toughness. But, Corey, but anyway, as far as... Yeah, I was, was going to say, Corey in the okay. chat room says he's too religious. And I have seen his religion in particular lead him to yeah. some few crazy positions that are rather disturbing. So maybe not head of health <laughs> and human services because there might be some weird stuff going on as he's, quote, dismantling. What if he's just vice president, you know? I mean, I kind of think of that role as kind of almost like, you know, the Queen of England. You just sort of walk around, you wave your hands a little, you get to vote in the Senate, but, you know, it's not really, not a lot is required of the VP. Because and otherwise it's kind, it's kind of an apprenticeship too, right? Apprenticeship. Like if, if you had Carson under Cruz, maybe he'd learn right. a lot. 
Yeah, he probably would. He'd emerge as probably a very strong leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I noticed, I don't know much about this. Maybe some of your listeners do and can get in the chat room and tell us what happened. But I understand that Huckabee and Santorum went over to Trump's rally after. <laughs> they didn't I saw stay a and watch of the, that. And, and I just yeah. basically said, ew. <laughs> yeah, it was so icky. It was like kiss the ring. Again, I mean, you know, empty vessel. They're like, I'm going to fill it with something. I'm going to fill that yeah, empty vessel. If I'm nice to with- him, he'll be nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Trump um, has said that. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Yeah. So you want to go on to Hillary? Yeah, let's talk Hillary. You know, the thing I was just scandalized by this morning, and this is, you know, nothing. It's not like I did some big investigative report. I went to the Dredge Report. And one of the headlines there, it's a story from The Hill, and I posted it over on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. It's that there's actually a, you know, purposeful effort in our State Department to delay the release of a certain batch of Clinton emails until after some of the early primaries results are already in. So they have them ready to go but they're not going to give it to us because they want Hillary to be able to perform in the primaries free from the fallout from whatever is in this next batch of emails. And we've already seen that in a prior batch of emails, there is stuff that she had on her private server that she shouldn't have had, right, classified, that is at such a you know high level of secrecy that even Edward Snowden had no access to this kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff where if it gets out there, people die. And she had that there. And she's out there running wow. for president. It is insane. So there's there's that. Yeah. And then Snowden is in co- Russia and she's running for president. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's somebody I, I, I he's he's supposed to be tried I've for heard treason. That she was mul- she's gonna be president. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. I heard that she was almost certainly compromised, like that her server was almost certainly hacked. Because the Defense Department said they get something like 200,000 attempts mm-hmm. almost daily. Like, I don't think it, maybe it wasn't daily, but it was some ridiculous amount. And so there, there is a constant effort to get our, get our data from a lot of sources. So Right, right. They and then would they definitely had, be they looking had analyzed, for a you know, Yeah, they had analyzed like her type of server. And given the type of server that it was, there's four different hostile or potentially hostile countries that had the technology, you know, such that they could have hacked it. I guess they didn't have any definite knowledge that there was a hack, but the probabilities were that there were probably a lot of attacks right. and that maybe some of them were successful. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so there's, what I'm wondering. What do you think about the State Department in this? How is this possible? Well, I, this is what I'm thinking. And this is like a big conspiracy. This is a left-wing conspiracy theory that <laughs> you're, you're about to get. Since Hillary okay. loves conspiracy theories. Um, I'm thinking, you know, obviously we know. We know she's done some stuff wrong already. We already know this from the stuff that has been released. And the FBI is looking into it. And I've heard that from, I think it's pretty much everywhere now, that the FBI is seriously considering indicting her. And I think it's really up to the Democrats to decide at this point when that happens. And there's probably some really damning stuff in this other bunch of emails. And they, I think they're just waiting to take her down till it's the right moment. And what I heard was that she needs to 
secure the primary nomination and then be taken down, and then at the convention, somebody else can be nominated. Whereas mm. otherwise, it'll be Bernie Sanders. Right. So I right. think they're trying to prevent a Sanders presidency, you know, the establishment, the left-wing establishment, is trying to right. get a candidate that they want in, and the only way they can do that is if it goes to the convention. So it, maybe it's, you know, maybe, I don't know. That's my guess. Okay. I'm taking a look at the chat room here, by the way, and Joel has posted a link going back to the issue of Santorum and Huckabee attending the Trump event. There's an okay. article from... It, it's uh, the website is called theresurgent.com. Theresurgent.com. He's posted the link here in the chat room, and apparently the way that they're characterizing it is Santorum and Huckabee are going to the. They went to the Trump event, and they quote kneeled before Zod, end quote. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is probably the way to put it right now. Like I say, you know, it's like this is going to be the guy. This is the guy that if we want our ad- little pet agenda items across, we have to please this guy. Uh, the other Joel, by the way, thanks for all the awesome material you're, you know, uh, helping me tremendously. I today. love that. I I love Zod as a nickname for Trump. That is a perfect <laughs> nickname for him. It's, it's great. better than saying King or anything. Like he he really is Zod. He's just like. <laughs> I, you know, based on this latest thing with him, just I'm sorry to like we're going back to the debate now with him skipping the debate and some of the rhetoric around that, and then him, um, the way that his spokesperson threatened Megyn Kelly totally freaked me out. And yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about that, but um, but basically his spokesperson called and kind of said, you know, if she's not removed, like, you know, she might get attacked again. Does that what, you know, does she want to get attacked? And maybe what happened last time will happen again. And just threatening basically to try to, to be, to be mean to her and to try to attack her. Right. And, in public and tell lies about her or whatever, or say, say nasty things about her. So it's a real, you know, is that how Trump's going to handle his, if he makes yeah. it to the presidency? You know, is again, that how go- he's going to handle the press club? Right. Go. I mean, go back again to the importance of freedom of expression. So I, I doubt mm-hmm. that any Trump supporters actually listen to my show. And certainly if a Trump supporter was listening to the particular show right now, they wouldn't have made it this far into the podcast. But nonetheless, if you happen to be a Trump supporter, you've made it this far. Thank you for listening. But consider that. <laughs> How do you want freedom of expression to be treated in the next administration. Do you want it to be Trump who is trying to bully members of the press? We need the press to be an actual objective check against whoever is in power, right? So there's that. Hillary Clinton, you remember that recently she has been a little bit threatening and intimidating to some comedians who had posted videos making fun of her. She was badgering them to get the personal contact information of the particular comedians demanding that the videos be taken down. That's Hillary Clinton. So, you know, you always think that the, you know, the liberals are so pro freedom of expression. It is not true. I I do think that the one with the most principled understanding and the one most likely to act on upholding freedom of expression in the election is Ted Cruz. And, And with all his faults, that's one of the, you know, the main reasons I continue to to, you know, to support him. Um, another thing Joel is talking about here in the chat room is something that I've also been hearing from friends recently is that the FBI, right, that they are, of course, 
you know, working on this investigation. We've all heard that. He's saying that they're building a criminal case against Hillary Clinton and also Huma Abedin, you know, her confidant, aide, et cetera. And uh, Joel adds, which couldn't happen to a nicer person, and I guess he means Huma Abedin. I, I don't really know a lot mm-hmm. about Abedin personally, but the well, connection with the Muslim Brotherhood. Go, yeah, go ahead. If you want to know something about her, there's a new documentary out called Wiener. Mm. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Just, there's, I mean, it's a real thing. Um, there's apparently a very compelling documentary. The, these, the guys who made it, they're on the side. Uh, they followed the Wiener campaign for a uh, mayor of New York City. And they were, so they were embedded and we had in, unprecedented access because they're completely on their side. The whole movie was funded by George Soros. But they were there when the whole thing unraveled because of the scandal. And they still released the film. And I heard a review of a reviewer say basically, well, it's, obviously setting up Wiener for some sort of television, you know, because he plays sort of a buffoon and it's setting him up for kind of a TV gig. And then it's Huma plays this intelligent, detached, wronged, you know, very, very noble person and setting her up for a political career. So I would like nothing better for that to, for her to be taken down. She's, she's a bad character. It definitely, definitely sounds like it. And the other thing that I had heard was that there was a story about there's some cadre of FBI agents who, you know, are doing this investigation and everything, and that they have amongst themselves sort of agreed that there's going to be some revolt from within the FBI if they fail to prosecute and indict Clinton. Um, I heard that. Yeah. And so maybe yeah. they, okay, maybe, you know, politically they won't be able to hold off the FBI. So they're saying, well, just wait, just wait until this other bunch of emails gets released and you can do what you want. Um, maybe, you know, maybe there's some sort of deal going on. I don't, when, does anyone know when the, you know, when it's decided? Is there, I suppose it depends on who gets what and who wins what. Yeah, state, who gets how what early and how many Hillary, points or whatever. Yeah. How early could she snag the nomination? I mean, if, you know, as soon as it happens, she could end up, she could end up going down. Right. So if all I'm she has right. to do is snag the nomination, and then they're going to get her. Wow. That's, that's possible. Imagine. Like conspiracy. Now, you know, a lot of people think, okay, Hillary is the epitome of selfishness, right? Because there she is out there. She's seeking power, and you know, I guess Christie had some good line apparently about how, you know, Clinton is compromising U.S. security for her convenience or something like that. So kudos to him, you know, but still, I'm I'm sick of him. Um, but, you know, this idea that she is, it's like she's behaving as if she's queen or something, that everything should be for her convenience. And, you know, everyone would say that this is the epitome of selfishness. But just imagine right now, you're Hillary Clinton. You've had this ambition. You're going to be president like your whole life. And she's got to be aware that this is going on, right, that the, the plan probably is to go ahead and let her get all these points as if she's going to get the nomination, then they're going to take her down in some criminal case. Can you imagine how hellish her life is right now and, and how deserved, in my view? But, you know, the idea that somehow everything that she's done, it's like it, it's selfish. No, it wasn't selfish. Look what's going to happen if, if theories are, are correct. Yeah, I, it's not selfish. She she must, 
I think about that too with respect to Obama, that the, the psychology or the inner life of these people must just be a wreck because of the selflessness, you know, the the destruction and the nihilism. They must just hate themselves. But yeah, she's she's facing a lot of real world consequences to her person for sure, possibly. We'll see. I'm, but again, you know, when when trying to guess what the what's going to happen, you, I were going by sort of like, in, well, okay, there are laws, and she clearly broke the law, so something should happen to her. But right. the Democrats have gotten away with over and over and over. I mean, look at the IRS scandal. Obviously, <sighs> that happened. Everybody knows it yeah. happened. But no one has paid. Someone lost their job, but no one went to prison for actively targeting, using the IRS to target American citizens. This is why it's so important to abolish the IRS, to never use government force to intimidate, you know, intimidate people based on their views. It is, it's insane. And yeah, well, I agree. It's gotten we, worse, too, because now um, they, they can take away your passport if you owe money. Did you know about that? I've heard about this recently. I Great. And then, in addition to that, certain states, uh, federally, certain states' IDs are not correct anymore or something like that. So all the people who live in those states, if they want to travel domestically, they have to start using their passport. It's like the TSA has said, you can't use your driver's license if you're from these states until they adopt these federally these federal guidelines. Um, for for more secure IDs or something like that. Special and chips so they can use now, to track you everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, exactly. So now, let's say you owe some back taxes, and you live in a state where your ID is not accepted, and the IRS takes your passport. Now you can't travel by plane. Yes. Within the country, inside the country. And I mean, how easy is it for the IRS to? Trump up a case, pun intended, that you owe money, right? Um, That's true. And actually, I don't know if your listeners know this, but I know this, that you in tax court, you are guilty until proven innocent. I didn't even know that. I'm an attorney. Fire me now. That's, <laughs> I mean, that that is that is really, really scary. By the way, we do have a Trump supporter who's been listening here in oh, the good. chat room. Uh, Sir DMZ says, that uh, he has survived all the way through this far far in the podcast. So thank you for listening, even <laughs> though you can tell that I'm no big fan of Trump. But let me just ask you this question then, Sonny, because uh, Sir DMZ is proposing a Trump cruise presidency and characterizes it as it you know advantageous. Why? Because Trump can push the trash around and Cruz can suggest good ideas. What do you think of that? Well, what are they going to co-president or who's going to be the leader? <laughs> Trump? I mean, still Trump gets to make the call, right? I guess. What if it's the other way around? I don't think, first of all, I don't think Trump would ever be VP to anyone. Um, well, and no, then I he, don't think it would I think I think this person's saying, well, you know, Trump is the leader who's going to get the nomination, so wouldn't it be cool if we just all get behind Trump and then he chose Cruz as the running mate, I guess. As VP? I, here's what I would I would want Cruz to refuse that because I would want him back in the Senate in a place where he could say what Donald Trump is doing is wrong. You know, I would want my principled senator back so okay. that he could fight against whatever Trump was doing. If you're VP to somebody, you kind of have to carry the water. I mean, I think that's part of the job is you need to defer philosophically a little bit 
to um, to the president. And Joel here in the chat room agrees with you. He says, if Cruz accepts the VP slot on a Trump ticket, he loses the moral stature of what makes him attractive in the first place. Yeah. So between the I two think of he you, would lose his soul I agree. doing that. I, I think Cruz would never be the same if he if he made that compromise. And I honestly don't think that he would. Trump mm-hmm. is absolutely going to do things that are against Cruz's principles. There's no question that would happen if he yeah. were president. So, and what would Cruz do? He'd have to keep his mouth shut. It would be awful right. for him. Right. Yeah. He's, he's I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not the, the case that, um, you know, it's, it's not the case that if you're a VP for somebody and you disagree and you don't say anything, that everybody has to assume that you agree with everything that the president does. But right. there would be so much that would be so wrong and him having to sit there and never be able to talk about what he disagrees about, I agree, it would have a profound effect on him. Well, I mean, as it, as it is, imagine where, you know, he's been constrained, even though, he, you know, he's so outspoken and he says, you know, McConnell's a liar and this and that. He has bitten his tongue. We know he has had to, even in what he's done so far. And to, you know, for him to be in a position where he'd have to bite his tongue for four or eight years it would, I think, you're right, it would cripple him yeah. mentally. Imagine, imagine that Trump went with single-payer health care and, and was pushing for that at, right. you know, as his replacement for repealing Obamacare. What would Cruz <sighs> do? I mean, he'd oh, have no, to it, resign. It, horrible. You know, Sonny, I'm actually at the end of my time. Please plug all of your things. We, you know, I go to The Daily Sunny on YouTube, right? Yep. And check you out. You can go search on YouTube, The Daily Sunny or House of Sunny for either one of my channels. Subscribe. and Or you can go to my website, houseofsunny.tv, and get everything. Well, I thank you so much for coming in here and talking with me today. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a tremendous amount of fun. If you're up for it again, let's do it again. And Absolutely. Uh, everybody else, Joel and everybody in the chat room for giving me such good material. I thank you for saving me. Uh, everyone, next week, I'll be back here at the same time. Go to DontLetItGo.com if you want to support this show. So thanks again, Sunny. We'll talk to you next time. And thanks, everybody thanks. else, um, thanks for listening. Share the show if you like it. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care.